Now, our initial plan, we had planned to record this pod before the men's final, mm. probably preemptively congratulate Novak Djokovic. Yes. And the reason we were going to do this was because of the small matter of that football match, which was now last night. Basically, again, our schedules, they aligned once. They've aligned once in, what, two years? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sort of ridiculous. I mean, at one point each day, we saw each other swapping ends of the grounds. So you yeah, were yeah. moving from centre to one and I was swapping from one to centre. So we were just, hi, bye. It's just, we just were at opposite ends the entire time. We were like, there's a window, then something comes up, as it does in tennis, and things move around. And then we're rushing off and we've got to get here. And so, so the plan of recording on the Saturday changed and then with the football last night we were rushing back to respectively watch it and now it feels weird after everything that happened with the football that I've sort of forgotten the tennis yeah <laughs> it was a busy day wasn't it I did feel bad that we we had p- talked about potentially pre-recording a bit on Djokovic getting 20 because Berrettini has been so so good and it is re- I mean yeah. it is sort of disrespectful as much as it's also realistic it is a little bit not great um but I don't think we're the only ones who are sort of talking like that and I think it was it was sort of tongue in cheek, wasn't it? I think if we'd actually recorded on the Saturday, we wouldn't. No, have, we no. would have said <laughs> we we believe we believe he probably will because we both tipped him at the start of the tournament. But that was probably about as far as as we were going to go. And now we're sitting here on Monday lunchtime, and yeah, the, the football seems to have sort of overshadowed everything. Wow. I mean, it's it's that just, does happen in Britain. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it does, doesn't it? I remember driving back from Wimbledon yesterday. Everyone was kind of rushing to, to get a train, go to a friend's house, be with people to watch. For people thinking, what are you talking about? To watch England against Italy at Wembley in the final of the delayed um, Euro 2020 championships. And driving back, there were no cars on the road. It was quite weird. And then as I was walking from my house to my parents, where everyone had gathered to watch it, and we got pizzas and we were ready... You could see all the televisions and all the people gathered in their front rooms. And then it goes to penalties. And the boys' school had sent an email saying, due to wanting everyone to be part of this occasion, that they could come in late for school. So, no, I didn't tell the boys this because then they'd be like, great. So we're going in at like two o'clock. And I'm like, no, you're not. Um, And they could also wear football kits. Nice. So they could wear England and Italy football kits. He's only got a French one. But as it's blue and Italy wear blue, so we sort of, I just sent him in in his French kit. Close I was enough. Like, in you go. So I thought it was close enough. So they went to bed about 11.30 last night. So I'm not sure what they're going to be like at around six o'clock this evening. But they went in fine in their kits. But it's just, I think it's just, it's that emotional release that you get after a Grand Slam anyway. And then you add in that final at Wembley. And I'm a bit like, oh. You know, oh, that kind of ugh. well, it's it's a uh, yeah. It was a, a long day and a long day for a lot of people who were at the tennis, including Matteo yeah, Berrettini. Yeah. He found his way to Wembley. There must have been choppers yes. involved because that is not a journey you can do in that sort of time. Do you, do you know what I mean? Because Tom Cruise was there and he, I mean, doesn't Tom Cruise fly helicopters? He probably flew them all there. Didn't someone tell me that Tom Cruise had flown in by helicopter to the women's final? So probably. therefore, I assume he did the same thing. For the men's. But you also so, had uh, Kate, Duchess of Cambridge, 
she was at the men's final, wasn't she? And then yeah. she went to Wembley. So I, I, in she my was he- not in Tom Cruise's no, helicopter. In my head, you even <laughs> in my head, you've got Tom Cruise flying a helicopter with Kate in there, Matteo Berrettini, and he's doing all these stunts. You know, there's somebody dangling off the back, and he's diving down. He's he's like, oh, we're going into a mountain. <laughs> Just yeah. I was about to like add in the Mission Impossible soundtrack while you were talking to see if we could like really build that picture. Can you imagine? Anyone want a lift? I got my helicopter out back and there's Kate. But they must have. There's no way they could have got there in time. Yeah, they could have. Well, well. Or what about what about um, like a bike courier? You can go on the back of a bike. Or as tennis players, did, were they think were you allowed to? Because I know footballers aren't allowed to go on motorbikes. You know, they sign contracts. They can't ski, and they can't buy a motorbike. So. As, is it different because you're individual? So a team is buying, a club is buying a footballer and therefore saying, right, you will not do this, this, and this. Mm. But I imagine as a tennis player, there's no kind of restrictions on you. Yeah, rubbish being bought by somebody else. You're then just owned by them, aren't you? Which just is not, not ideal. No, no, tennis players do what you want. A lot of them sort of avoid that stuff, but uh, yeah, no, do what you want. It's up to you. You only ruin your own career, don't you? But what a roller coaster of emotions for Matteo Berrettini. I mean, it. <sighs> Building yourself up to the Wimbledon final, something he said he couldn't even really dream about. Being out there, taking that first set, fighting as hard as he could. Djokovic wins. You do your media. And before it even sinks in, you're at Wembley. And then your side on penalties, because everyone kept missing their penalties, are European champions. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely think he'd be pretty exhausted, for sure. But I mean, if we talk about his match, like his tennis was so so good I mean you couldn't really have asked for anything more Mm. from somebody in their first Grand Slam final I mean even before that just getting to the final the fact that he was turning up and everybody was saying he's the favorite to come through the bottom half get to the final including me I was saying it but then he just did he's never been to a Grand Slam final before he's only been in one semi-final so to actually just be the favorite have some nervy moments scrap through play some great tennis get to the final and then actually just sort of get on with it and and give Djokovic a really good go. He didn't crumble. He didn't He didn't do anything really wrong. Of course, there are elements of his game he could have done better. You know, to, to beat Djokovic, you pretty much have to be perfect. That Those are the requirements. And he was a, a little bit off at times, but at times he really nailed it. So it was really good fun, I think. I'm glad that the crowd you know, really enjoyed it. I think we'll see him in more finals. I think that's what we also saw, the gap that is still there. And I think I think it, this gap, it's a sort of a twofold gap. The gap between Djokovic playing at his very, very best is still stunning. And also, they just haven't... The people coming up against him now in the latter stages of a Grand Slam, the semis or the final, just haven't been there before. So they're dealing with all that kind of stuff. I, I, there were nerves there from Djokovic because he's now got this goal of the calendar year slam. Can he make it the golden slam? So there is pressure on him. There are nerves there. We've, we've said, haven't we, that the person, not necessarily at the Olympics, but at the US Open, say, the only person that probably beat him if he's playing his best is probably himself. But there are nerves there. But the guys he's playing are dealing with a lot. They're dealing with realising a dream of being at a Grand Slam final. And everything that comes with it, and then you've got to bring your best tennis against Djokovic, who was in his 30th Grand Slam final. So, I mean, gradually they will eat away at that. You know, there'll be a second Grand Slam final appearance and, and a third, and they will start to deal with it, although he dealt with it well. But then you've still got that gap of Djokovic when he's playing at his best. I mean, some of that tennis yesterday was, well, it was silly. I mean, it was silly at times. Yeah, I mean, the gap's wider than ever, as far as I'm concerned. I know that... 
Berrettini was up a set, and I know that Sitsipas was up two sets at the French Open, but they still lost. Like that's the thing is that yeah. uh, I mean we were having this conversation the other day. I mean how far in the lead do you have to go to be the favourite to beat Djokovic? Sitsipas was two sets up in the French, and we probably had him at fifty fifty. What so you have to be two sets and a break, two sets and two breaks to be? Do you have to be at match point? It is um, absolutely Isn't that absurd. Crazy? Isn't that crazy that sits past two sets up in the Roland Garros final was still only 50-50? I mean, I still, I, I remember us talking about that. And I remember thinking that at the time. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? That, that, that is still how we think. It's like Serena now for me when she was dominating. It's the same as in if Serena turns up and plays 60%, she wins the slams. And it's the same for me for Djokovic. I don't think he played. He had patches where he played really well. I mean, that fourth set was amazing. But... It was, yeah, I mean, it's not like he produced an like all of his matches through the Grand Slam. He didn't produce a Grand Slam performance that we've actually seen from him before. I don't think that was his best tennis all in all, but he still won it. And I think that he individually now, because we haven't had this in the men's game for a long time, because there's always been a few of them at the top and you've always had Rafa yeah. on the clay. And I actually yeah. think that he individually now is head and shoulders above everybody else, which has never been the case. Um, you know, Federer is slipping a little bit um, and Nadal, well, I, I don't think we can really write him off until we see how he turns up to Roland Garros next year because this year he got tired and he was a bit done. Um, you know, will that just continue? Is that just an age thing that's just going to continue uh, to happen? If it is, then Djokovic the, the, is going to be the favourite there as well. So he's just, there's just a big distance. There's a big gap now, isn't there, between him and the rest of the field? And there will be a big gap soon enough between him and Federer and Nadal when it comes to the amount of Grand Slams won. How much from looking at him do you feel Federer has slipped or can you not judge it because he just hasn't had the weight of matches? It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, it's a six-love set. That's the concerning bit. That is not yeah. something that Federer mm. would ever accept. Um, that is, you know, he went out with a bit of a whimper. It wasn't, he didn't yeah. go down fighting. Um, that's the, that's the concerning bit. Not that he lost, you know, you can, you can see how he would lose a match. You know, he's not walking in as the heavy favorite. He's walking in as a contender who hasn't had many matches. So I don't think losing is, is really a big deal. I think if he had just lost, it would be sort of like, okay, well, he needs more matches and you know, he didn't do well in Haller and that was unfortunate. He really needed to get, if he had won that tournament, he would have had those extra matches coming in and, um, and that sort of thing. But yeah, it was just sort of the manner of it was really, um, really quite interesting. And also the way that he played in the rounds before, I mean, he managed to win some matches that were kind of on the edge there. Uh, the errors that were flying off his racket, it was out of control at times. I think, and we always look at stats, but it was his first six love set at Wimbledon. First time he's lost in straight sets at Wimbledon since 2002, Mario Ancic. And something like it's his second six love set the 21st century. I mean, it's it's not something that happens. And interestingly, I can't remember, I think it might have been Leon Smith or maybe Pat Cash, who we were alongside, said they thought at the end of the match when they come out and they put the um, the the microphone out for the for the winner, so Hubert Hercatch to speak, they felt there was a quiet word in Federer's ear almost to say, would you like to say something? As in, is this going to be your last time here? Because it's not normal that they'll ah. go and speak to the person that loses. Do you see what I mean? Oh, wow. Maybe they know something. Then. Wow. Or maybe they just, I mean, okay, do you think right now here, Monday, 
afternoon, Wimbledon's finished, are we going to see Federer? If he's fit and healthy, are we going to see him next year? Or do you think his tennis career will be done? I really have no idea. I mean, you could see it either way. Um, I think, I think, oh, I don't know. I, I think he'll give it another go. I, th- I think he will. Yeah. I think we'll see him next year. But honestly, if, I, I mean, I could not be surprised if there's an announcement in the next couple of weeks to be honest you just you just don't really know do you because I mean he wants to be winning slams and or at least competitive for winning slams I don't think he just wants to be playing and winning a match here or there like that's what he wants to do um so it's just about whether or not he believes that he can so we have all three of them on on 20 wasn't it the first first grand slam title for Djokovic wasn't it something like 2008 in Australia and he's pretty much since then spent the whole time chasing Nadal and Federer. And now they are all aligned at 20. And he can just keep going. I mean, 25, 26? Yeah, possible? I think so. I mean, it's a wonderful narrative, isn't it, to have them all on 20. For people outside the sport, when we get to the US Open, it's going to be a really big deal. I also think it's going to be great for Djokovic, the fact that he's sort of overtaken them together. Because he is... Yeah, ultimately going to absolutely love that that he is now ahead of both Federer and Nadal at the same time and and is the undisputed uh, best ever Grand Slam collecting player. Is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> it can <laughs> be. It a thing. Can be. Um, and well on his way to being you know an incredibly you know loved player. I mean, he is so loved in, in so many parts of the world, but it's, it's tough, isn't it, when you're up against those couple of guys. But now that they're winding down, I think there'll be more sort of um, respect and understanding. I think far more love is going to be coming Djokovic's way. And it's so rightly deserved. It is absolutely bonkers what he's doing. But yeah, not stopping. I mean, he's won all the Masters twice. He's won all, all the Slams twice. And yeah, that it's, it's just that Olympic gold, isn't it? But that's, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough because it's over three sets and you sometimes get this this narrative, this story. You get a player who rises to the occasion. You can get fairy tales that happen at the Olympics. Strange things happen at the Olympics. It's, I mean, look, you know me. I'm going with Kei Nishikori for gold. That's my, that's my romantic Olympic fairy tale. It's in Tokyo. This is what his whole life has been about. Well, hey, we have Monica Puig. You see, and he's, and he's fit and he's healthy and he's... Uh, or oh, Andy Murray, he's taken that sort of wild card because he's a, a former champion, a Grand Slam champion. They have certain categories of of how you can get in and it's how many Grand Slam titles he won if you're, you're Olympic champion. And Andy Murray more than qualifies for that place, which is why he has taken his spot in the team. Is that going to be the romantic narrative? Will Roger Federer, as things stand, he's on the Swiss entry list. Is he going to go? Because that's the big thing missing from the, the major awards I mean he's won everything but if you look there's that he's got doubles gold hasn't got singles so it's just so the Olympic gold it's still I wouldn't be as certain he will get that as I am that he will probably get the US Open when we get there is it the best of three thing yeah well yeah yeah. and it's this and it's this romantic narrative of the Olympics it's just I think the best of three is a big difference, isn't it? I mean, I I know that Djokovic has still been so dominant at Masters events, but you've got to think that, you know, the Tsitsipas's, even, you know, Hercatch, Berrettini's, Medvedev's, they are going to be so confident that they can beat him in three. Because a lot of them have, some of them haven't, but a lot of them have done it before. I mean, you know, most of them have not beaten him in five at all. So I think... um, 
yeah, it just it just makes it a little more doable. But they've got to produce that level for two sets of Sitzpass did in the French Open final and didn't get anywhere yeah, with it. You know, you, you you have to produce that level for a certain amount of time. Um, and Djokovic has to be off his game for a certain amount of time. This is a little bit more doable, I think. So that would be a big factor. So and then I'm thinking yeah. though, now there's no crowds at all at the Olympics as things stand, and they said they would revisit it for home fans if cases start to to improve in Japan, but Tokyo is now in an extended state of emergency situation. It's someone like Sitspass hates not having a crowd there. Nick Kyrgios pulled out because he said, you know, I can't, you know, you know, I need a crowd because he was originally on the, the entrance list for Australia. Uh, I think he's in the Bahamas at the moment. But he said, mm-hmm. you know, without crowds, I can't do it. And we know Sitsipas doesn't react to not having crowds there. So that's a kind of, and, and look, there's my romantic Kei Nishikori to win gold. You might have to do it in an empty stadium. So, oh. so, so how does that affect? You know, you could be anywhere. You know, it, it's not necessarily that home advantage that you talk about. It's not going to be there essentially because mm. there is not going to be anybody there. And and some players are not going for that reason. Others because of bubble life reasons. There are a few like Dominic Team who are injured. But it's just more of a it, it's more of a lottery, I think, um, in that competition. So I. I think he's nailed on for the US. Look, there's people like Denis Shapovalov. I was so happy to see Shapovalov play as he did. And even in that straight set semi-final defeat to Djokovic, he played so well. Yes, disheartening that you can play at that level and still lose in straight sets. But it was really nice to see him have that confidence and play that kind of tennis. Yeah, I mean, he just if he was able to produce his best tennis on the big points, then he could have been at two sets to one up instead of, off the court having lost three three sets to love um so you know he gave himself a real real chance and you just can't really ask any more of anyone than that it just in, in terms of the way that Djokovic is is playing the level of experience that he has it's like you're saying it's all new for them isn't it I mean yeah. as Shapovalov did so well it's a new situation for him he just got stuck in he kept just throwing everything at him I thought it was fantastic I, I mean I, I'm a huge fan of Shap I think he's going to be awesome I can't I think he's going to win slams I can't wait to see it I kind of yeah I kind of want him to stop rapping though um I did um not I'm not a fan of him as a as a rapper well it's I did an interview on five live and it was in the um it's one of the shows when they're, they're a bit more kind of they like to have a bit of fun and so we got on and it was talking about Shapovalov and his rapping and and I remember saying that it's it, it's really strange with, with with Dennis Shapovalov because he's such a sort of nice guy and you talk to him and then he's rapping about sort of chains and swearing and gangs and and there was someone on twitter that said i can't believe you're being so stereotypical about rapping it's not all about blings and swearing and gangs and i was like no no but that's what he did yeah <laughs> that, that's <laughs> that was I, the I topic being, of his rap yeah i wasn't being stereotypical this is this was the topic of his rap and i'm not saying it would be of all of them but uh, yeah it was funny on this show they just wanted to talk about him rapping and i was like Please, can we talk about the tennis? <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't want to talk about the drip or the night. But train. they do. I mean, they always love a bit of colour, don't they? So anything, whether it's Conta's baking or something yeah. like that, and it can bring people in, can't it? it yeah. Can bring, it can bring. One thing I noticed was how nervous Matteo Berrettini's parents were. I mean, his <laughs> father was quite literally plucking the hairs out of his beard. He couldn't look. He was looking at, and his mother, and this went around social media. I think she was giving um, herself and 
the person next to her those um, calming drops. You know, you can get this homeopathic rescue remi- remedy. Yeah, those. Re- I think she was rescue remedying the whole team. Yeah, she was outside of the bubble team. <laughs> and you always got the feeling. I'm sure she wasn't, but you always got the feeling they were doing it like every change of ends. Just like yeah. we need to calm down. We need to calm down. More drops, people. More drops. It's homeopathic. We're out. Spine. We're out. It's more drops. Uh, and I remember saying to Marion Bartley during a coverage. What maybe your dad was different because he was your coach, but what were your family like when they watched? And she was like, Well, I don't know if you remember my dad, but when I won Wimbledon, it's like I'd won some 15k tournament in the back streets of wherever. And I was like, <laughs> Okay. And she said, But her mum got very, very nervous and wouldn't always come to matches. And it was just there was that sort of contrast between the two. But the Berrettini family were wow. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So in stark contrast to that, we have sort of the, the Ash Barty group. who did, They don't give anything away. She had a, a boyfriend, Gary, there. Craig ties her a coat. And they, I kept looking up thinking, I mean, they let out a huge roar when she won the title beat Pliskova. But that, that whole team, Barty included, doesn't give you a lot. Oh, I know. Stoic, aren't they? Yeah. And Craig ties up. I mean, sometimes he just has sort of like a half smile on his face, and that's <laughs> sort of about it. Um, but that's just so his personality. I mean, even when Ash was just paying him just the highest compliments of saying that he's the oh, best wow. coach out there and I'm so lucky to work with him and stuff, he just sort of was like, huh, cheers. <laughs> it's just so and, funny. And I, I quite like the um, Carolina Pliskova in her post-match uh, post-match yeah post-match interview wanted to thank her team and and her husband Mike, michael was there and and her coach sasha byan and, and i quite like the credit she gave to sasha byan because i think and and you don't know the backstory and the ins and outs of everything but he seemed to come in for a bit of a rough ride when he parted with naomi osaka for the reasons that, that they know and then he was with yastremska and and that didn't end well and and the start of the Pliska relationship, she hasn't, you know, she got double bageled in Rome. But I remember her saying in Eastbourne that this wasn't a quick thing. You know, we're in it for the long haul. We're working together and we have a plan. And she said at the end, I owe him massive credit. Now, he did say before the final, I knew when she came back from 2-5 down in the first set of her first round match that she was going to be here two weeks later. I mean, hindsight is a beautiful thing. But <laughs> it's, I, I think... I think he and my dealings with him have always very been nice. He's been polite. I think there's this there must be something about him as a coach. He's he's producing results with with player after player. Yeah, I mean he's working at the highest level. He knows what's required on on the court, and I mean absolutely has brought out the best in Pliskova because she was not in a good place no, for a no. number of reasons. And I know that we've talked a lot about her struggling through lockdown, but even before then, her game was really struggling. And I have to hold my hands up and say, I mean last was about last summer I suppose um I was saying that I think that's it I think her chance of winning Grand Slam title is is gone and that was because there was that sort of power vacuum when Serena went away on maternity leave uh and there was opportunity I mean you I say power vacuum. I mean, there was some fantastic no, players. I love that Kerber. phrase, power vacuum. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was Kerber, Magaruth, Hallett, but everybody was tussling around and it really felt like the slams were up for grabs. And 
they do feel up for grabs now in a sense. Um, but particularly up until this Wimbledon, Plishford had never done well at Wimbledon by her standards of being former number one in the world. She'd done better on the hard court um, events. She'd been to the final of the US Open. So I was sort of thinking about those hard court events and thinking, well, I mean, they are just going to be hoovered up by Osaka and Andrescu, aren't they really? Let's be honest here. Um, they are head and shoulders when it comes to hard court tennis above the rest of the field. And, and I thought maybe she's missed her chance. But, you know, of course, Wimbledon... You know, she she really got it together well. We didn't have Osaka. We had a very injured Andrescu who, quite frankly, looked at grass like it was a different planet. <laughs> she just went, what is this? Could barely play and lost fairly swiftly. Um, so actually, you know, things... Um, you know, in her half of the draw, definitely, you know, opened up a bit more, but she played brilliantly well. I mean, against Sabalenka in the semis, I thought she was absolutely outstanding. She played some of the best tennis I've ever seen her play. I, not only did I think that she'd missed her opportunity to win a slam, I also thought that we'd seen the best of her. And I take that back fully now. She was fantastic in that semi-final. It was more difficult in the final for her. It's a very different game style to play against, but she really showed Sabalenka in that semi-final like look you cannot just come out here and just hit everything really hard and I think that was really great for me because it shows everybody that Pliskova is not just a hard strike she's not just a power hitter and a pop on her serve and and oh well I'll just roll through some matches that she thinks that she has some good hand skills now up around the net some of the pickups she made up short were tremendous and then taking Sasha Bayan uh, having him on board clearly the tactics are working really well and actually I felt like Sabalenka was shown up a little bit in that semi-final as much as I loved her run and I love power tennis as just being in that particular match quite um, straightforward and simple and Poliski was like that's not good enough I've been a world number one I'm on my way to the final you're gonna have to do better than that and Sabalenka wasn't able to but I think that just shows the difference because there are nuances between the power players and I think you could really see that there was a lot more thought in the Poliski game than there was in Sabalenka in that match and I think it, it shows that she doesn't feel she's done yet by hiring Sasha Bayin because I can't imagine he's cheap and that's not a crass thing. It's an honest thing to say. She's investing in a very experienced coach because she wants to get the best. She's what, 29? I don't think I've made that yep. up. I think that could be right. She's 29 and she wants, she's a former world number one. She'd been to a Grand Slam final at US Open before. She wants to squeeze every last drop out of her talent I think it shows a big commitment hiring someone like Sasha Bain and I think on his part as well I don't think he's going to link up with the player who he feels is probably at the limit of where they're going to go or doesn't have the drive so I think I think when you see matchups like even when Dan Evans linking up with his new coach you know it shows they think well hang on a second let's see what is possible let's take that step because and we come back again to players but and I know look she's got a lot of money but it's still an investment it's I remember speaking to a coach a couple of years ago about some of the players and I would say well why do you think x or y hasn't gone on or why and he said because they're not investing in themselves they are the product and they have to make that step and early in their career it might seem like a massive step because they don't have all the money but they have to put that money in themselves even if they go into debt they've got to invest and see what is possible and I know it's easy when Pliska has got millions and millions to invest but it, it, it's still for me a statement it's still making a commitment to saying I'm not done yet and let's see where I can go and and what it's proved at this stage is you know they've reached a Grand Slam final together. 
Yeah, it's so good to see. I mean, I love Pliska when she's playing well. I really want her to pick up a Grand Slam title. I think it's going to be really tough. We've seen how difficult it's been for Serena just consistently being the second best player in the tournament. Not very recently, but up until the last couple of years. Um, being the second best player, it's always just been that one player. And I feel like Pliska might end up in that situation. Look, she came up against yeah. Barty, who who was playing at such a great level. Um, and okay, look, she really challenged her, but... It still felt like it was Barty's match, really, to to lose there. So, yeah, and when you talk about the investing in coaches, I mean, whoever was saying that is is correct. You really need to um, be piling in all of the resources that you have into the experience because you just you you need that. Even if they're not your main coach, but somebody as a consultant, you need yeah. somebody that has that experience. You can't just feel your way through. It just doesn't work like that, really. Um, but there are a lot of players that know they need to do that and don't want to do that because they're sort of fine where they where they are as well. So, um, you know, I, I do agree that players need to do that if they want to be the best they can be. Um, but not all players do. I think. Um, no. You know, sometimes they're they're sort of happy enough if they're sitting at fifty, sixty. They're you know no no problem. Or if they're at thirty, you know, well, how much do you have to invest? How hard do you have to work to maybe get to twenty? It's you know, um, you know, those conversations always go on. But in Pliskova, right from the beginning of her career, she's clearly been somebody who's wanted to maximise her potential. I mean, she got to number one in the world, and when she first broke into the scene, even when she got to the top ten, people were saying that she was far too one-dimensional, she can't move, she doesn't make enough balls, she needs to go cross-court more, whatever it is, and she didn't really listen to them. I mean, she did improve in a lot of those areas, but it wasn't like she was panicking, thinking, I need to do X, Y. She just got better and better year and year, and when she was number one in the world, she was playing unbelievably, so consistent as well, with a game star like hers or you know people saying flat strike you, know, you just sort of go for it and, and try and hit winners it's not a steady game it's not a consistent game but week in week out she was pr- producing so I think she's fantastic and I, I feel a bit bad that I said last year that that she was done well, I think if you hadn't said it reminded us of it, we wouldn't have remembered. I well, think just, you know. I think you just put it back out. <laughs> I think I've got I've got two Grand Slam achievements this year. Okay, great. Not eating a baguette at the French Open. Yeah, I mean that is well, that, that's, but that's the second time it? you've done that though. It's the second time I've done that. Yeah. It, it doesn't get it doesn't mean it's easier just because it's the second time. It doesn't get any easier. It's like winning a Grand old. Slam, isn't it? <laughs> it just doesn't get any easier. It, it, you know, because you get older and and just just maybe your willpower. Well, I've never really had much sort of food willpower. Wimbledon, I avoided the donuts and the crisps and and those kind of things. So I did that all Good. through Wimbledon because. Uh, a member of our team had his birthday and all these donuts appeared. The crisps, literally, I could not... They were by the door. I had some of the they crisps. Were by, they were... You, well, <laughs> you, and, and I don't blame you for doing that because they were every, literally everywhere you turned. I spoke last week of trying to do some work and there was a curly whirly. Oh, one of our, one of our listeners said that bummed is a universal word, which I thought it was a universal word because, you know, you thought that yeah. people... Bummed is... It yeah, so that quite was, British. I think it out. sounds quite. I think it sounds quite American, actually. Yeah, maybe. Quite maybe. bum. But the curly whirly did need an explanation because they don't have curly whirlies. Yeah. Well, curly whirlies so. are ultimately a rip off because there's just lots of holes in them. So, but they oh, are they're so very long. Oh, rip off in terms of you're paying a lot of money and you, you haven't got you just a, lot get a lot of air, don't you? But yeah. no, but they are very long. Maybe that makes up for it. I'm not sure. So that so that was my second my second achievement was just staying away from the snacks because. 
they are they and it's wonderful that they're provided to keep us going but they're everywhere I mean yeah I mean I have a different approach to grand slams um it's very much snack focused to get me through it's coffee <laughs> coffee and snack focused that's uh, that's about it is it is it quite strange that I don't drink coffee I still get people who are very I've never ever it's not a health thing I've I've never had a cup of coffee in my life well, I don't think it's strange um, some people think it is a sort of shocked they sort of how do you function maybe like, it's just because you're sure. so perky all the time they just think perky. you must be do, on caffeine do, do you think i'm perky <laughs> <laughs> I no don't comment. necessarily i don't necessarily think i'm perky but sometimes people are like how are you doing this without without coffee um and i and i the, the honest answer is i don't know because i've never drunk it because so, we do work long days and we do have to be on it sharp perky. and it's perky so, so caffeine is is the backbone of the media world it's the love it's the love of the job do you see ash barty dominating nope okay <laughs> is it <laughs> why not because it's osaka and with an asterisk uh andrescu um, but no, why I don't... has Andrescu got the asterisks? Because you haven't seen enough, or because she's always injured? Because well, yeah, exactly. If she plays, she mm. she can obviously do some big so, things. So but... basically, because of the because of the strength and depth, because you can throw in a Sviontek and Sabalenka's finally made uh, a deep run at a Grand Slam. So are you saying that Barty won't because there's there's too many other good players around her? Um, no, no, I think. <laughs> Look ahead to the US Open. It's not that far yeah. away. Osaka's mm-hmm. going to be the favourite. Australian Open, Osaka's going to be the favourite. French Open, Barty's probably going to be the favourite. Because of her game style on those courts. Yeah, she's so good on hard courts. Because she's won it. Well, because she's won it and because she's so good on hard courts. Like, mm. I mean, she is a, you know she has that sewn up. But I do think that Barty is exceptionally good when it comes to clay and grass now, um, her game has adapted really well. I think it's going to be more difficult for the likes of Osaka to adapt to particularly grass. I think that is, um, it's not necessarily easy. And is it because it feels like, not that she doesn't want to, but because people just talking through this, you've got to have the, you've got to want to, you've got to embrace it. You've got to give it a cuddle. You've got to like Djokovic, you've got to eat yeah, it. People don't, understand i think a lot of people focus on what the ball does through the surface and plishka has talked about this a lot okay her strike is amazing on a grass court we get that but do you know what she is her movement is very difficult on a grass court she's very upright she's very tall and everybody tells you when you go on grass you've got to get low you've got to get down there in the grass it's something really hard for her if you can't move then you can't strike it doesn't matter how good your strike is if you can't get there and be balanced and get to the next ball when your pace is redirected you're absolutely stuffed so I think as I say people get very sucked into just seeing what the ball is doing and actually it is much much more about the movement when it comes to playing particularly on grass but also on clay um and i think that that is something that um requires a lot of work a lot of knowledge and experience you have to have different footwork patterns you you can't slow down as quickly it, it, you know, everything in terms of your approach up to a shot is entirely different on a grass court and I actually think that you know one of the reasons we're seeing so many players slip over all the time now on grass is because the 
the ball comes through the bounce a bit more like a hard court because of the new technology. Um, but you can't move like you're on a hard court because you're on grass. <laughs> it's slippery. Yeah. You know, yeah. on a hard court, you have maximum grip and friction. You do not have much friction on a, on a grass court. And it's different on clay again. So I, I just think that, um, that those sorts of transitions are, are tough tough to make um and at the moment for me i, I think that the favorite for um slams on clay and and grass are going to be ash Barty and on hard is going to be osaka with the exception if andrescu could just play for a few months <laughs> then okay you know she did so well in miami um but if she could just um get going i mean that i mean because that is impressive i mean that was out of the blue she'd barely played at all and she makes a final there it's absolutely stunning we cannot forget about her but she's not playing i don't want her to turn into a del potro that would be awful uh, and I, I think we i think we need her i think the women's game needs her because she's got a presence i remember i don't know if i said this on the pod but when i was at eastbourne and i was doing the interviews with a range of of the top players um from Angebur, to Carolina Pliskova, et cetera, et cetera. And one of them is Bianca Andreescu. She has a, I think, aura. Is, is that too strong a word? But she has a presence. She has a presence. When you think she, yes, she's a Grand Slam champion and she's won India Wells, but she hasn't done that much in the, in the span of things. And she's still very young. But she has a presence about her. She has a character. She's fun. And, and, she was, and I was really excited about interviewing her because of the character, because of this presence that she has. I think she's really good for the sport. I think the way she talks, I think the way she plays, I think she's a great addition to throw into this mix when you look at the characters out there. And, and she's such a fighter. When you get her on court, I mean, even if her arm's hanging off, she's still going to the point where I literally can't continue. And, and she did say, look, I, I've got to think more carefully now. Everything I've been through, I have to be more careful. But I really, I really hope she can she can get back up and running. I, I, yeah. I, 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 think, I think the women's game needs, I think it's got lovely characters, wonderful characters. You've got different characters. They all bring something, game styles, personalities, but I, I do think it, it, it needs Andrescu. Yeah. And if you want to see in terms of a visual representation as to why it is difficult for hard quarters to play on grass when they have no experience on it. Watch the Andrescu match from Wimbledon and you will <laughs> see somebody very much struggling to know what to do, where to hit, how to move and, and all of it. And, and it, it is frustrating as well. We missed the grass court season last year, barely any lead up this year. So, I mean, yeah. for somebody like her, it was always going to be rough. Oh, look, she's played six or seven matches in her whole career on the on the server, and, she, and she's still very good. Overall, how did you enjoy your Wimbledon experience? We didn't have it, as you said, last year. We missed it. How was it for you in 2021? Oh, I mean, it was incredible. Uh, it, was, it was amazing and finished with two really fantastic finals and two finals that could have threatened, uh, particularly after the opening sort of 20 minutes of both of those finals, to be incredibly one-sided because we had that long run of points that Ash Barty won. Was it 14? Was it 14 or 15? You yeah, were on it. Yeah, 14. 14. 14 points in a row so that was uh you know and you get the sort of big cheer when Pliskova finally gets a point on the board and that you know this is the Wimbledon final <laughs> this is not a pity party it's not nice at all for that to be the situation Djokovic raced away in that first set but then Berrettini 
I don't know how he managed to win that set. It was unbelievable how he turned it around. But do you know what I mean? It sort of it had that little bit of, oh, okay, this could this could be over quite quickly. Uh, and then they were fantastic finals. I mean, the whole tournament has been awesome. I really enjoyed watching the juniors as well. I think particularly the junior girls are in a really strong phase right now. Very, very impressed with the winner um, of that tournament. The final was great fun to watch. I mean, she was awesome. Um, a Spanish girl. Uh, and yeah, I... Yeah, just just it's been it's been it's been brilliant. It's been back. I, I can't believe it. I think the other thing it's so good to have it back, but I think working as we were for BBC 5 Live, we had the continuing thread and story of the football and that made it very exciting as well because you had England on this run, you had the Wimbledon taking place, the excitement from the spectators and the crowd, everything that was going on. So it was an amazing experience of weaving weaving those two together. Sadly, for England fans, it, it it wasn't the ending that was wanted, but Italian fans would be very happy. It was, uh, it was a great couple of weeks. And now you and I have got very different weeks ahead of us. I mean, yes, very different. I mean, I'm sort of jealous of, of you, of what you're doing, because you're sort going of. to Tokyo and you're going to the Olympics, which is very exciting. But also I'm having some time off, so I'm also very excited which, for that. And I'm very jealous of you. <laughs> and when you were describing, you were sort of saying, oh, you know, you're playing it down. You'd be saying, oh, it's a staycation, we're doing this. And that. I was thinking, sounds amazing. It oh, sounds it just even today, just to wake up, no, there was no work today, and I could take the boys to school in their little kit. It was just, ah, oh, it's that kind of release that you need because Grand Slams are so intense. You know, for, for people who've worked to them listening, they'll know this. You know, it's two weeks and, and it's everything. You know, you barely get time to do your washing. What's going to happen when Middle Sunday goes? I don't know because on the Monday, um, we're sitting with Law Robson and a couple of other people, and we're all saying, yeah, and Marion Bartley, yeah, we did our washing. We're thinking, when are we going to do that next year? It's because, mm. you know, those two weeks are. So when you said that you were sort of staying local and you're doing some walking, exploring, I just thought, oh, that sounds. Yes. So, but, and, and Tokyo is going to be different because we're coming from, we're a red list country as far as the UK is a red list country as far as Japan is concerned. So that's like, whoa, not sure <laughs> we actually want you here. So I've got a week of kind of testing and, things and getting lots of stuff in place i'm very excited about the opportunity to be at an olympics it's going to mm. be a restricted olympics i'm really lucky that i get to focus my time just on the tennis out there for the world feed but it's uh yeah i'm kind of it's i'm sort of apprehensive in some sense because it, it and then but i'm very excited in another sense and still loads of people could pull out i mean but up until the day before they could pull out and we're already seeing in America, I mean, that the people that aren't going, I, it's going to be great. It's just it, in these in this Monday, it's quite overwhelming. The amount of information, what's needed to be done to even be allowed onto the aeroplane mm. to get there. And when we get there, it's quite it's quite a lot. It feels like the restrictions are going to be tight. But when you're there, once you're in the country at the site, you're going to be going to be great. I think it's also like a Grand Slam. Once you get there, you get into your groove, you have your routine. It'll be very similar routine, what you do every day, because again, restrictions. I think it's just, yeah, it's it's winding down from one, winding up into the other and dealing with an awful lot of documents to read. But no, very excited. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to try and... We're going to try and hook up. Oh, schedule-wise, haven't got a clue. So <laughs> what, what, what's the time difference? Eight or nine hours? Yeah. I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, but whatever time it is, I will make sure I'm perky. Good. 
Yeah, and on no coffee, and we'll try and we'll try and get some. I I don't know how much of a picture I'll be able to paint because, as I say, we're quite restricted and we're quite sort of going from sort of A to B. But hopefully, I can give you a bit of a feel for the action and who's there mm. and who's playing, and you can just tell me how you're you're eating loads of great food, going on walks, taking time out. Oh, I'm quite jealous. Yeah, I know. And speaking of that. I'm going to go right now because I'm literally yeah, about to, to get pack, in the car you? and go to my uh, blissful retreat. Oh, I'm going to go and read some documents. Have a nice holiday. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.